I've been practicing saying this. Wale Adesamoye. Amazing pronunciation. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt. I was actually born in Nigeria, Lagos. I lived in Lagos till I was five years old and I moved to the UK in 1985. I wanted to find a form of identity from an early age. I've ran four marathons, one London triathlon. I've boxed for 10 years. I'm five-time world champion in bodybuilding. Why did you do these things? Solely for validation, to prove to myself that I can do anything I set my mind to. Where were you getting your information from back then? I couldn't read and write properly till I was around 14, 15 because I suffered from dyslexia. Was that causing you issues at school? I didn't do very well. It really broke my heart. If you have any disability, neurodiversity, use it as your superpower. I will look at the biggest guy in the gym and I'll do the same exercise just mimicking what he's doing. No one gets to the top of the head. You have to surround yourself with eagles. How important is nutrition? Let me take the jam out your donut, guys. <laughs> Guys, Matt Haycox here, and welcome to another episode of the Matt Haycox Show, where I've got a guest today who I'm very, very excited to talk to. I was I was at dinner recently with a friend of mine, and today's guest, Wale. <laughs> 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 I've, been, I've been practicing saying this, Wale Adesamoye. Amazing pronunciation. <laughs> is a friend of a friend of mine, and we, we, we met at dinner, uh, and I thought, Great story. Got to have him on the show. So he's in Dubai for a few days. So here he is today. Wale is a five-time bodybuilding champion. He's a personal trainer. He's a fitness expert. I believe he's also been a fireman at some point as well. And uh, I know in the in the conversations we've had, he's got a great mindset, great attitude, loads and loads that I can learn and that we can learn. So Wale, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, mate. It's a pleasure to be here, Matt, to be honest with you. And it was a great dinner. We had it over at Namos. Uh, what a fantastic restaurant. Well, when, and... when, when all that steak arrived for the whole table, I thought that's just what you'd ordered for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that night I could have finished that, but they brought us so many, like, I, I think it was like a seven course meal we had. <laughs> it's fantastic. And um, to be honest with you, it was fantastic in, um, ambience and environment to be in. Well, and, when, when you ever go to the kind of fancy restaurants here in Dubai, you know, the, 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 there's two or three things that they always try and stitch you up on. And it's whitefish. Yeah, it's um, it's the like the the sirloin or the wagyu or whatever they do. I, I don't eat meat, so I don't know too much about meat. And it's all it's always caviar. And whenever you sit down, um, they they always come over. And it's like, let me help you with the menu. It's like, all right, it's okay, man. Forty two years old, you know. I've read, read read a menu for a long time. I know what I'm looking at. It's like, no, no, no. You you want some caviar to start? Like, no, no, no. I don't want some caviar. To start. What about the white fish? <laughs> and, and they get the white fish. You know, we can maybe for this table. Three kilograms, three and a half kilograms. Like, how the fuck do you think this table is going to eat three and a half kilograms of white fish? And they always have this standard line, which is, no, no, it looks big now, but when we've cooked it and cut the head off and cleaned it, then it's only going to be very small. And yeah, and they're charging you like five hundred pounds a kilogram or something. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Get your trousers pulled down, right, left, right, and centre here, big time. Well, look, let's uh, let's start at the beginning of your journey because um, how, how old are you? I'm forty three years old. Okay, so, so so you're my kind of age, and I mean, look, fitness is obviously a, a massive thing nowadays. You know, I think fit, fitness, health, and and the healthy lifestyles, and obviously particularly here in Dubai, but I think anywhere in general. And I kind of when I look back to to my childhood, uh, obviously you set same kind of time bracket as you. Uh, you know, people. Okay, there's, there's always been some some people in fitness, but it certainly wasn't um, as globally and passionately, I think, I think, followed and absorbed as it is now. You know, the, 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 the young kids of today, you know, they they all seem to smoke less. You know, they, they they drink less. You know, they've all got. They all seem to be ripped to fuck. I mean, I, I remember we, all my peer group were just little little drinking, fatty, smoking, <laughs> smoking twenty a day. But uh, I mean, was fitness always something that was a big part of your early life? Yeah, fitness has always been a major part of my life from a very early 
early age. I mean, I'll tell you a backstory about myself. So I was actually born in Nigeria, Lagos, uh, obviously, um, 25th of 4th, 1980. And... I lived in Lagos till I was five years old. Um, my mum and dad separated in the, in the um, actual around December 2000, or sorry, 1984. And I moved to the UK in 1985. So that was my backstory. When I came to the UK, um, I was a scorning little kid. You know, I didn't really know much about sport. I didn't know much about anything really. You know, went to primary school. The kids took the piss out of your accent. You know, an African accent. But you sound painful. 100% London now. I know, but, you know, I've been in London, best part of, you know, bloody hell, 30, 38 years. So it's very much, you know, that's my life. I don't I don't know nothing about Nigeria. So, you know, growing up in a single parent family, you know, I wanted to find a form of identity from an early age. And sport was where I found my identity. So, you know, what got me into sport in the first place was... I joined the football team, um, you know, I was 12 years old, I joined the football team, the Sunday League football team, and I wasn't the most talented player, but I knew I had the physicality to carry myself in the field. And I remember, you know, we would be playing in this tournament um, one year, and I saw these older kids, you know, I was 12, I was playing like under 12 football, these older kids, they were a little bit older, they had a top off, they had, they had a great physique, and that sort of resonated really well with me, and I thought, you know, I want to start training. You know, so I started training in the summer of 1992 and I never looked back. You know, for me, it was something that I fell in love with at an early age and also watching uh, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is a big, 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 big influence in my life. You know, I watched Conan the Barbarian, you know, which everyone's watched that. It was around, I think it was around 1992. I watched that movie and I was just like, wow, look at this guy. He looks fantastic. So I started training in the summer of 92, to improve my ability to carry myself on the football pitch. Tra sure. Training in terms of weights? Yeah, weight training. So I've been training for 32 years. So started weight training in the summer of 1992 to improve my ability in sport. Um, so there was no social media back then. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no TikTok. There was no, there was no cameras on your phone. <laughs> we grew up in the same era. Yeah. You know, and it, we didn't. All we had was literally text messages and call. That was it. I always remember trying to send dirty messages to girls. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to, we used to have those um, those like emoji sex images that used to move around. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember those. Where, where it was like it was like uh, a dick popping up and down the screen, made out made out of exclamation marks and stars. <laughs> anyway, we digress. No, definitely no. So for me, it was just like I loved training from the early age. I dedicated myself to training. I remember my mum used to give me pocket money. You know, she used to give me £10 a week pocket money, which was a lot of money back then when you think about it. Uh, and I used to have a paper round, which I used to get £10 a week. So £20 a week for a young lad. And all of my money used to go on, like, you know, I couldn't afford to buy protein shakes because I didn't really know much about it. So it was like, I used to just remember protein, protein, protein. So tins of tunas in my bag. But where were you getting your information from back then? So an interesting point is, I couldn't read and write properly till I was around 14, 15, because I suffered from dyslexia. So I couldn't read the magazines, so I just used to just look at the pictures. You know, uh, I used to look at the pictures um, in magazines. And another thing as well is, I will go to a gym. Um, I remember going into like Lily Road Fitness Centre back then, which is in Fulham. Um, and I will look at the biggest guy in the gym, and I'll watch what he's doing, and I'll count how many reps he's done, and I will keep watching him and copying what he's doing. 
So a bit weird, like actually one of my first ever training partner was a guy that used to follow around the gym, watch him train, watch how many sets he's done, watch how many reps he's done, count, and I'll do the same exercise, just mimicking what he's doing. Did you talk to these people as well to kind of ask them for advice or you were just like watching from afar? No, I was literally watching from afar and the guy actually caught me copying his workouts and he actually invited me along to train with him. So that was my first training partner at Lily Road Fitness Centre in Fulham. And uh, it's phenomenal because, like I said, I couldn't read and write properly, you know, because of my dyslexia, suffered from dyslexia back then, you were just thick. You know, I didn't really know what was wrong with me. You know, I was a very late bloomer. Was that causing you issues at school? It was. It caused me a lot of issues at school because when I was at school, I struggled to understand what the teachers were trying to teach us because of my dyslexia. And and I just felt like, you know, they just the teachers didn't really have time for me. I felt they'll just push you to the back of the room and put you in another group, you know, like a lower group, the guys that can't keep up with the main class, you know, and we were just referred to as the thick boys and girls. And uh, it really broke my heart, really, when I was at school. And I just felt I'll end up being a waste in life, really. And it's funny, actually, because, you know, out of all of the guys that went to that school, I went to St. Thomas More, which was in Sloan Square in Chelsea. All of the girls and guys that went to that school, I think I was one of the top 10 students that was um, invited back to speak oh, really? to the to the current student. Like, unbelievable. Like, at school, I didn't do very well. But in life, I succeeded because I never gave up. When did, when did you start to identify the dyslexia as dyslexia? And when did you then either get help or did you get help? How, how have you improved it? I did. I mean, I didn't really know that I didn't know that I suffered from dyslexia. Funny enough, it's funny you asked that question until around 2011. As late as that, really? Late as that. Uh, and the the reason I found out was I was actually wanting to go for promotion um, with a fire service because I've been in the fire service for um, 23 years now and I wanted to go for promotion. And uh, I was told that if you have any neurodiversity issues such as dyslexia, you get given longer time. So I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, I've got to get myself tested because then instead of being given like half an hour to do your written test, you get like 45 minutes, um, which, you know, 45 minutes was sufficient enough time for me to kind of work my way through the questions and not rapidly, you know, try and answer the questions. So I got I got tested. Um, I was told I was dyslexia. And uh, I put things in place to help me, you know, coping mechanism like software such as Dragon Dictate. You know, things are a lot better now, you know, with with computers. And, you know, the, the, the struggle that I have is more with reading and writing, you know, and I, and I put things in place to sit to help me with that. You know, now I can I can highlight a document and get it read to me. I can dictate, um, you know, what I want to say and articulate myself in such a way with softwares out there such as Grammarly now, you know, that I can actually make sure that the grammar's all all right before sending a letter or, or an email to somebody. So, you know, it's it's amazing that how far things have come over the years. And one of the things that I hadn't allowed dyslexia to do was to stop me from progressing in life. So because I felt like I was going to be a bum to society, a waste of life, I pushed myself in my physical ability like fitness and that's one of the reasons where I succeeded at the highest level multiple times over because I was so like didn't feel that 
I, I, I succeeded. I wasn't good enough. But what's interesting in what you say, because you, you, you start that sentence or that chat off was from a very negative perspective. You know, I, I thought I was sick. I thought I was going to be a bum in life. Mm. And I guess, you know, with, with, with most people, that's almost, that's where the conversation ends and they define themselves as that and ultimately it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and they do become a waste or a bomb or you know whatever expression you want to use but you you seem to say both times i thought i was going to be a waste i thought i was going to be a bum so i didn't let myself and i went i went went and did this differently it's so important i think the thought process that we have the negative thought pattern i was so scared of being a nobody in society and being a bum you know I pushed extra and other avenues such as, you know, physicality, training myself to have the most amazing physique that you can ever see. So when I walk into a room, I command that room, not intimidating anybody, but command that room, the ability to do amazing things in my job to make sure that when I'm on the fire ground, my fitness will never let me down. I still push myself today in business because I feel, you know, there's so much more I can offer society as a whole by just telling my story i just think the kids of today if you have any disability or neurodiversity adhd dyslexia you use it as your superpower because the dyslexia to me now it's not an hindrance i don't look at it like a hindrance if i didn't have dyslexia i wouldn't have pushed as hard in life and other aspects of life like my business like my physicality like my my uh, bodybuilding uh, career you know, I wouldn't have pushed as hard. I probably would have been just a relaxed, an average bodybuilder, an average, you know, personal trainer, an average firefighter. But because I have dyslexia, I always have that chip at the back of my head, feeling like, well, you got to push harder. I mean, did did anyone did anyone kind of teach you to think like this as a kid? I mean, I, I know I know you didn't have a father figure around, did you? Um, no. And, uh, I mean, I don't know how your relationship was was with your mum, but I mean, how how did how was your mom with you in this situation and, and were the people people that you looked up to because i mean it's a very you know, that we talk about we're not from the era of social media that you can mm. pick up social media today and there'll be four, 400 million people you know co- coming down your screen saying you know don't worry about your your, your negatives think positive you can be a mm. better person uh, but you know in the mid to late 90s you know i guess when 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 you're growing up when i'm growing up there's there's no one really talk, talking in those terms and you know we did come from a much more negative era i mean did did you do all of this by yourself or did you did you have mentors or did you have people to look up no to? funny enough it's a great question you've you've asked you just asked me in regards to did i have any mentors growing up my my mentor was my football coach danny bellino um there was a youth club in fulham where i grew up called brunswick um and you know i started playing football for for the brunswick from the age of 12 um, and i played football for the brunswick till i was my 20s um it was it was he was a great guy because he was like a father figure to me, because I didn't have that father figure at home. So I just picked someone like, he was my football manager, he was my youth worker, he was my father figure that I looked up to, and he disciplined me. You know, I remember back in 1992, if you was late, one minute late is one pound fine. If you're five minutes late, it's two pound fine. And you got to think of it as a kid who's only earning 20 pound a week to actually give you know, yeah. 20% of it away, you know, you know, it's crazy. Like, it's literally crazy if, you, if you're giving 20% of your earnings away straight away because you're fine. And then don't forget, you got to pay subs as well. So that taught me, like, punctuality. 
never to be late, respect people's time, to believe in yourself because, you know, you know how football games go, you know, we're behind loads of time. We were a scorny little team that came up through the ranks and became, you know, county champions. We beat the best teams and some of the players that I played with, like Jody Morris, went on to be professional football players. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to complain? Yeah. <laughs> Jody Morris rented my house off me. Oh, you're joking. That's <laughs> absolutely crazy. Jody Morris was a Fulham boy, grew up in West Kent Estate, good friend of mine, still to today. You still um, see him to today, yeah? Yeah, still see him to today. Funny enough, it was at a birthday party last weekend, or the weekend before last, before I left um, for Dubai. Um, you know, a friend of ours, uh, 44th birthday, he was actually there with a group of friends, you know, but I just missed out because I was out for dinner, um, you know, with other friends, and he, I saw all the pictures, and he was there, I was like, shit, I missed up with it, I missed it, I missed Jody. So, but yeah, I still stay in touch with him, actually, you know, via WhatsApp, on, on you know. I mean, we're talking 2006, 2007, when, it, when he was playing for Leeds United. That's crazy. Uh, he rented, uh, I, had, I had a house, 16 Wigton Chase, uh, and he, he used to rent that off me. He, that's he, he that's a small world. A kid, yeah. That's a small world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message him after this. <laughs> see if it's I'm going to say, I, I, I met your old landlord, Jody. <laughs> you know? But yeah, no, so we, we had an amazing team. And I think like going back to your initial question is, you know, how did I develop this mindset? You know, I just... I just felt to myself that you've got to push. If you can do something, your ability to push physically, yeah, will refer your ability to push mentally. However you look at it, however you want to put it, because you've got to have that mental strength first before you can implement the physical strength. You know, if I go into a gym and I feel like, well, I'm not, I can't lift that weight, guess what? You can't lift that weight. But if I go into the gym and say, I'm going to lift that weight, guess what? You're going to lift that weight. And that sort of mindset that I had with my training helped me in life. And the people that I had around me, like my football coach, who taught us never to give up against all adversity, helped me propel myself in life to great heights. And there's many things that I've done as well that I probably haven't discussed with you. You know, I've done a TV show called Last Man Standing back in 2008. Uh, if you get an opportunity to have a look, Google it. Just put Wale Last Man Standing into Google. You see all the shit that I've done. You what, know, what was the premise of the show? The premise of the show was six Westerners, three from the UK, three from the US. We travelled around the world and we lived with the most remote tribes on the planet and participated in their tribal sports, which we went from stick fighting in you know in Ethiopia to wrestling in Burkina Faso to climbing a mountain in Nepal, you know, to running a marathon in Siberia. So, you know, there's so many stuff that I've done and I just feel like sometimes, you know, obviously the, the young kids of today, they they brag around their C, about their CV and I'm just so like, like I've just done so much, I don't know where to start. <laughs> why, did, why did you do these things? I mean, was it just for experience? It was for validation. Like, I did all of the things that I did solely for validation. Validation to prove to myself that I can do anything I set my mind to. You know, funny thing is, I posted a picture of myself as well on my social media. I went from heavyweight boxing to the best muscle model on the planet. You know, I spent... I think you, you've done boxing Yeah, as well. I spent 10 years boxing. You know, I had 35 bouts, 30 wins, oh, five wow. losses. You know, I got to the ABA final one year. Um, you know, so it was an amazing opportunity there to show myself again I could do anything I set my mind to. The only reason I stopped boxing is because I fractured my eye socket, left high socket in 2012 sparring at the boxing gym 
funny enough, my boxing gym, gym that I boxed at, Del Youth, what's at the what it was at the basement of Grenfell Tower. You know, if you don't know who Grenfell Tower is, is the tower block that burnt down in London, in West London, and that's where my old boxing gym was. Um, so again, I've I've ran four marathons with the best time of three hours forty five minutes. I've ran one London triathlon. You know, again, best time of two hours forty five minutes. I've boxed for ten years. You know, I'm five times world champion in bodybuilding. You know, I just keep going, going. When when you've done all these different things, because whilst everything kind of falls under the fitness banner, I guess from from the little I know of fitness, I would say that all of all of the different things you've done take quite different styles of fitness. You know, in insofar as you know, some's short bursts, some's long bursts. You know, like some's cardio, some's anaer- anaerobic. You know, have have you had to dramatically change your training programs and change change your body while you've done these different things? Yes, definitely. You know, obviously. When you know fitness, you know, you can't run a, a London marathon and be a bodybuilder at the same time. So these are two complete opposite. One requires, you know, putting on a huge amount of lean muscle mass. And another one requires great cardiovascular capacity to be able to continue running endurance. So I my last marathon that I ran, you know, I believe it was in 2011. So I haven't ran a marathon since 2011. That was my last marathon that I ran, which was the London Marathon in 2011. How big were you then compared to, say, now? So now, I mean, I walk around around 110 kilos. Back then, I was around 105 kilos. So not, wi- not wildly take, different. Yeah, though. not a massive difference. But, you know, obviously, at the time, I was boxing. So I was doing a lot of running, a lot of road work. I mean, back in the days, if you go in a boxing gym and you're sparring, you're blowing out your ass, be like, oh, you haven't been doing your road work. You know, that was the first thing the coach used to scream in a corner of the room, be like, you haven't been doing your road work, that's why you're blowing. <laughs> you know, so I used to run an average probably 50 kilometers a week when I was boxing. So through those 10 years of boxing, I was just running. You know, I'd just wake up in the morning and I would just go for a 10K run, you know, three or four times a week. It was standard, you know, that was my road work. And then I'd do my weights in the afternoon and I'd do my boxing training in the evening. Um, but again, like I said, I've always kept resistant training in throughout all of the things that I've done, even though they're, they're very different from, you know, again, marathon training and being a bodybuilder. I've always kept resistant training in. I don't like to use the, t- the terminology hybrid athlete, but I believe that I'm a hybrid athlete to a certain degree, meaning that I don't want to categorize myself. I, I said this yesterday on my Instagram. I'm more than just a bodybuilder. I'm not a bodybuilder. You know, there's so much more that I'm capable of doing and I can do with this body that I've been blessed with. And I think that I want people out there not to put themselves in in little categories and block everything else out. Look at what else you can do with your body. And when you have that mentality with with your body as a whole within fitness, you have that mentality in life, in business. You know, how many obstacles we come across, even with me, like, you know, I have a business mentor right now and all the things that he's trying to teach me, my brain's fried. I don't understand anything. But I'll take three things and I'll implement them. Once I've implemented those three things that I've learned and I've mastered those three things that I've learned, I would then move on to another three things and implement once I've mastered those three things that I've learned, and I move on to another three things. Before you know it, the things that you thought that you didn't know nothing about, 
you've mastered because you've implemented it and implementation is key like i always say to people you cannot sit at home and develop an awesome physique yeah you can read all the manuals arnold encyclopedia you know all the training ebooks is out there you can subscribe to you've got to do the work you just got to do the work that's it to get your ass into the gym even when you don't feel like doing it if you're willing to do the work that's necessary implementation with your training you'll be able to implement the things that you learn within business and within life because at the end of the day like one of the best analogy I can give is if you go to the best university on this planet you do a degree in economics for example and you get a first in that degree but you sit at home and all you do is you talk about your degree degree that you've achieved and do nothing with it what's that degree really worth Mm -hmm. nothing absolutely nothing other than you've put yourself and your family in debt (laughs) so implementation in life is very key to get you to where you need to be and learning from others, you know, because like I said to you, from the early age, I'm a visual, audible, and a kinesthetic learner. And I knew that. So I don't learn by reading the manual. I learn by watching and listening to others. So do you, do you have a lot of different mentors now? Have you have different mentors for different disciplines? I do. I do. I, you know, obviously for me, I have a mindset coach, which is really, really important. I think a mindset coach is very important to have. Um, and I have a business coach. You know, and I have a coach for my bodybuilding. So for me, I think it's important to understand that what people do in life in general, I think what they do is they feel that they can, no one gets to the top on their own. You cannot get to the top on your own. You have to surround yourself with eagles. You have to be around people and bring people on board to mentor you that have done the things that you want to do. And I always use analogy, say, eagles don't fly with pigeons. You must fly amongst eagles. Even if you're flying a little bit lower than them at the moment, but surround yourself with eagles to elevate yourself to the level that they are at. And you might have to spend some money to be able to have a mentor. You know, I spent thousands of pounds monthly. You know, in the past three years i've probably spent thirty thousand pound on mentors in the, in the past three years that's thirty thousand british pounds on mentor and that's in the last three years it's probably an average in ten thousand pound a year mm-hmm. on mentor from business to fitness to you know mindset because i see the benefits of it you know winners surround themselves with winners and i used to be the sort of person that will go into louis vuitton for example and I'll spend, easy spend two grand on a bag. But you ask me to spend two grand on a business mentor, I'll be like, that's too expensive. Now I'm the complete opposite where I will easily spend two grand on a business mentor. If I knew that the business mentor is doing the things that I want to do and get me to the level that I want to get to. And that's very important that if anybody can take anything away from this podcast they listen to, believe that you cannot achieve the things that you want to achieve on your own and look at the people you inspire to be like and bring them on board if you can to guide you to the destination that you want to get to. I love your expression of um, eagles 
don't fly with pigeons. Have you had to leave some pigeons behind along the way? Oh, always in life. In life, you got to look at, you know, even with me, I, I unfollow all pages that doesn't serve me on social media. And friends as well that are not on my wavelength, I disconnect from them. And unfortunately, that's just the sort of person I am. And I don't have many friends for that particular reason because I'm so cold with people that you're just so negative. Like, I want people to be like, you'll be all right. Like, you know, you'll be all right. Like my business coach in, in, in my business at the moment is Charlie Johnson. And the guy's a, a living legend. He messaged me yesterday. He goes, Wale, I just want to get you to £30,000 months. And so for some people listening to this podcast, they might think, that's how much I'm making a year. But we're trying to push that in a month. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to achieve things that people may not believe. Do you know why Charlie said that to me? Because he's doing way more than that on a month to month basis. And he's able to then teach me the skill set and have the mindset that I need to have to get to that level. So you have to be around people that are doing bigger things than you. If you walk into a room, and I love this analogy, and you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And another analogy that I use is, I've been training for 32 years, but if I go along and train with someone, I always say to them, I'm following your program today. And do you know why I do that? It gives me an ability to learn from that person. Well, because, and I always talk about the fact how no matter you know what what somebody what position someone else is in you know what they do if we approach it with an open mind there's something to learn from everybody and, and that's you know that's one of the things for, for this podcast for me that you know i also have got a very wide variety of guests you know we have celebrities we have business leaders we have athletes we have you know uh, just inspirational uh, army veterans who've been damaged at war you know whatever it may be but whatever it is you want to do in life there's so many parallels there's so many analogies and if and, and if you listen to somebody else's story with an open mind listen to their problems listen to what they've overcome there's always a way to apply it to yourself no matter what you do in this life listening is one of the greatest skills you can possess it's it so important two ears and one mouth use it in that ratio exactly listening is the greatest ability that you can possess because if you have the ability to listen you have the ability to progress because you have to go into any room that you walk in. I walk into the gym all the time. Like when we finish this podcast, I'm going to Banoosh to train and I walk into the gym five times world champion, 32 years of training. But you know what? I walk into that environment as a student, not a master, a student because I want to learn and I watch people training I watch exercises that people are doing. There might be an exercise that I haven't seen before or I have seen before or haven't seen done in a particular way before. I may not never use that workout for myself because I just think, oh, well, but I'm a coach. I have an online company that coaches clients to be better. I may give that exercise to one of my clients to implement and that's something that I always do. Any environment you walk into, walk in, not as a blank canvas, but walk in with an open mind and the willingness to learn and also listen to others because people are so 
they love talking about themselves. So if you come in as a listener, guess what? You're going to be their best friend because they got your attention for 45 minutes to an hour. And that's fantastic. People love talking. I just want to ask you a specific training question, actually, and then we'll uh, we'll go on to talk about your um, your five times uh, bodybuilding champion stories. And I, now I may be completely wrong about this, so you can tell me from a personal training's perspective. I, I I feel there's been a big shift over the last few years with training that strength training, uh, you know, li- lifting weights has become. Uh, you know, that's a more prominent, more recommended to everybody, whatever their training goals are. And I've, I've always been around the gym. Yeah, I've never, I've never been a hardcore trainer in my earlier days, but I've always been around the gym. Always had personal trainers. Always seen other trainers training people. And unless someone has wanted to be a bodybuilder, you know, lifting heavy weights has never really been part of of people's programs. It's always been cardio. It's always been circuit training. It's always been whatever. But I now seem to feel that you know whether you're a woman, you know whether even if you don't want to get big, big, you know, lift lifting heavy weights, you know, um, generating I guess strength and doing strength training is is much more recommended because because of all the other benefits of it that I don't know maybe they weren't recognised medically before or whatever. I mean, have I? Do you think I've got that completely wrong? Or no, you, you haven't. Saying? You haven't got it completely wrong. I mean, what you've just said there, it's an amazing observation that you've acknowledged that resistant trainer become more you know recommended to people from all walks of life from you know the housewives to the you know 70 year old woman 70 year old man guess what after your 30th birthday you are losing 10 percent muscle mass per decade scientific rationale states research states this is not me talking off the cuff here there's research behind it to prove after your 30th birthday, you're losing an average 10% muscle mass per decade. Unless, Fact. Uh, but, but unless you're doing something Guess about what? it. Guess what? Guess what? They can reverse that. Resistant training. Resistant training is the only thing that can reverse the loss of the muscle mass that you're losing. So this is why I would highly recommend everyone does resistant training. Even if you're a runner, a veteran runner, even if you're a swimmer, even if you are a 70 year old woman, go into the gym and just pick one exercise for each muscle group. A simple exercise you can do is walk into the gym. You can do, you know, all the big muscle groups first. You can work your back just doing a simple lat pull down, work your chest by doing a sim- simple machine press. If you do not like, you know, like dumbbells or barbells, if they, you know, or cables, if you're not too a fay with it, or you feel that you don't understand how to use those equipment, there are machines that you can use. So you can use, you know, a lat pull down, a chest press, you know, a shoulder press machine, you know, something to work your shoulders. Again, you've worked your shoulders, you've worked your chest, now something to work your arms, you know, work the front and back of your arms, work your stomach, something to work your legs, you know, like a leg press, leg curl, leg extension, and 30 minutes cardio you know, an incline walk or something, get your heart rate up a little bit, you know, or if you don't like doing cardio in the gym, be more active, get like your 10,000 steps a day in. But resistant training is one of the most important thing you can do as a human being after your 30th birthday. Not only is it going to reverse the muscle loss you're going to have, it's also going to protect you from brittle bones, from your bones breaking as you get older. You know, as you get older, we know 
uh, slips and falls is what kills, you know, our older generation. You know, like my mum went to Israel. Um, she went to uh, Jerusalem and broke her wrist. Her wrist has never returned to normal. She's got, she hasn't got the mobility or the movement in her wrist that she had prior to breaking her wrist. Guess what? Because she was too fragile and her muscle mass was too low to be operated on. So they didn't operate on her. And all they did was put a cast on her and her wrist just basically the bone healed the way it shouldn't have healed. She's got lack, lack of mobility through that. Tell me that. I don't want to get too granular on specific training training tips here because we've got, we've got so, so much more to benefit from you. But one of sometimes when I see people in the gym, and they're doing resistance training. I mean, presumably, resistance training, you've got to have some resistance because I, I see a lot of people in the gym lifting the lightest weights. And okay, mm. yes, I don't know them, so I don't know their full story, but I'm looking at these people thinking, you've, you know, you've got to be able to lift so much more than that. When, you, you know, you're lifting five kilograms and you know, think it, it can't be, you can't be having any real resistance. It can't, you know, like, like in my mind, I'm thinking, what is that possibly doing for you? I mean, am, 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 I, am I being unfair? Have you, have, you, have you got to be, you've got to be hitting some kind of, uh, let's say, um, like, intolerance in to, to be able to lift the weight. You know, you've got to be able to push yourself because I think as well, one of the reasons why so many people don't do strength training, don't you know, do resistance training is because they go, well, I'm not doing that because I don't want to be big. You're a long way from being let, let, let me take the jam out your donut guys out there. <laughs> lifting weights and lifting the what sort of weights or lifting a 40 kilogram or 20 kilograms or 30 pound dumbbell isn't going to make you big. Women, <laughs> girls, you're not going to get arms like this lifting dumbbells. If you do, I'll be very scared. I'm going to run for the hills. <laughs> Trust me. You just don't have enough testosterone to that. And I'm going to take the jam out of the donut for men that say they don't want to be big and they don't want to look like me. I'll be like, don't worry, you won't. Yeah. <laughs> you won't look like me. But I think a lot of people just have limited beliefs. They have limited beliefs in themselves um, and lack of understanding. Again, this goes back to what I said. You know, they are the expert in their business. So you've got like a massive CEO of a business who's making millions of pounds, millions of dollars a year, but yet doesn't understand fitness. But because he's such an egotistic individual and he, he, he believes that yet. I'm a businessman, I make this much money, I implement this, I have achieved that. He tries to align his ability here with his ability here, where his ability here is not the same as his ability here. So it's, it's very difficult. A lot of people need to just drop their ego and reach out for help. Because when they reach out for help for people like myself, we will be able to structure their program correctly and educate them because education is key that you can lift more but people are don't know what they're doing really they go into the gym they just think i'll just do my legs or do my shoulders and they pick up injuries because they don't know what they're doing the most important thing is that a lot of people like i said at the beginning need to have guidance like i need guidance in business I haven't got a Scooby. <laughs> Literally, you know, I, I have an online company and I have a business coach to help me get my company to where I want it to be. So even if you have a personal trainer for three months, three months, get a personal trainer for three months, the skill set you're going to learn from that trainer that you have for three months will set you up for life because then you can go into the gym and navigate the gym a lot better because you'll have an understanding of the skill set that you've learned from working with a trainer um, or working with an online coach three months that you can implement for the rest of your life so it goes down to people not having 
the ability to reach out for help, people not having the ability to say to themselves, I don't know as much as I know within this environment. I'm not the king of this castle. Or I'm not the queen of this castle. You know. So I, I know the expression goes, you know, like abs are made in the kitchen or some, something along those lines. And, you know, you know, the answer is, I guess, success is a is a combination of many many pieces but how how important is nutrition uh when when it when it comes to um well i guess physical performance what a great question what a great question how important is nutrition i always say i have a great quote with proper nutrition you can achieve anything and that's the honest truth that your nutrition is the foundation of everything that you do i mean if you had to do just one or the other Right, and it's an extreme, but just to just to get the importance of either thing, if you either had to eat utterly perfectly and never go to the gym, or train like a fucking beast and eat whatever shit you want all day, which of the two would you pick? Honestly, I'll eat properly for the rest of my life and keep my activity level up by walking. You cannot train yourself out of a bad diet. There's no way on a million years you can eat like shit and expect to achieve the results that you want, the desired results that you want. Nutrition is key. <clears throat> when it comes to the foundation, if you look at it like a pyramid, at the bottom of that pyramid, the most important thing is your nutrition. Then it follows your recovery. Then your training. Really? Yeah. Because recovery... I'll even go one further. Hydration comes before training. So if we were to build that pyramid again, we'll go nutrition, recovery, hydration, training. Let's talk about hydration because I'm sat here with, with what's left of my uh, BCA electrolytes. Yeah, in there, awesome. Which I don't really know much about them other than that people tell me to have them and they make my water taste better. So I, I, I do I do hammer the life out of them. Let's, let's, let's talk about that with hydration. Branch chain amino acids is great. I mean, again, it's one of those things that branch chain amino acids will help your muscle fibers re- repair, will help you. Um, it also helps you consume more water. You know, I always say to a client, for every 25 kilograms, which is 55 pounds of body weight, you should be consuming at least a litre of water. So a simple example that I use is if you weigh 100 kilograms, yeah. you know, you should be consuming four litres of water a day. Okay. Yeah. So again, 100 kilograms, what's that? 225 pounds or so, you know, you should be consuming at least four litres. A four litres of water to you, to the Americans out there is a gallon. Yeah. Just over, just, 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 I think a gallon is 3.7 litres or something, you know give or take, but again, a gallon of water per day, four liters for us is the minimum you should be consuming. I always drink water. I always have a a water bottle in my bag, which I've got in my bag and I always fill it up to the rim and I always try and hit my four liters because I'm a hundred kilo, hundred kilogram plus. What if you, what if you're not drinking it? What's the downside to not drinking enough? Well, the downside to not doing, drinking enough water is you're not getting all of those goodness in your body be pushed around. You know, water, our body is 75% or 70% water. You know, you need to consume water. Water is the most important hydration to help you, you know, push all the goodness around in your body, help your bloods, help your circulation, help your digestive system, you know. And it's hard for people to hit their water targets per day because it's really, really hard. When you consume high quantities of water, guess what? You're going to be peeing it out. So peeing is one of the adverse effects that you have from consuming so much water. And I think one of the things I always say to people is if you struggle to consume water 
As soon as you wake up, you want to have a glass of water before you do anything. Obviously, brush your teeth first. Uh, <laughs> I have to brush mine after because yeah. did you not find if you brush your teeth on on a, on, a, on an empty mouth, it always makes me feel sick. Yeah, it does sometimes, but for me, like. I, I don't like the taste of toothpaste anyway. You've got very white teeth. Yeah. I've spent a lot of money on these teeth. This is like £20,000 in my mouth right now. It's mouth full of veneers, by the way, guys. I'm not going to give you away the trick. Um, but yeah, no. So I always obviously get up, drink a glass of water, brush my teeth. I think like, or whatever, or however you want to do it. You know, for me, I think, I, you know, toothpaste in your mouth after brushing your teeth or mouth washing your mouth. And when you consume water, it feels like you're consuming the actual product that you use to brush your teeth or the mouthwash you use to rinse your mouth. So um, you should drink a glass of water as soon as you wake up because it just, uh, you know, alkalizes the body and dealkalizes the body and gets you ready. And I think a glass of water before you eat every meal and try and consume one glass of water during the meal and one glass of water after the meal. The glass of water doesn't have to be that big. It could be as big as this glass right here in front of me. You know, it doesn't have to be that big. Just try and get that water in you somehow. And, you know, throughout the day, try and consume the, the right quantity. The way I like to do it is I have like a, a water bottle and I just count how many of those I've done. You know, some water bottles have measurements on it, how much water you drink by a certain time, which I really like. And I always recommend for clients. But I think water, recovery and nutrition is one of the most important thing. I mean, I wear this what band around my wrist, which yeah. I really, I believe in. Yeah, popular. Though, yeah, they're right. really good. I mean, some people like the aura ring. I just don't wear rings. I find it gets in the way. But what band helps me monitor my recovery and see how ready I am to participate in physical activity, meaning that I use it mainly to monitor my sleep. Sleep is where we recover and repair you know, our cells. So it's very important that we try and get that seven hours, eight hours sleep per night. Do you, do you nap in the day? Do you have a power nap? Do you know what? I used to think those that nap in the daytime were bums. And I tell you what, I read I read a great book, you know, and it's called Sleep by a guy called Nick Littlehill. So I was going to say, I went to a, I went to a, a speech uh, talk by Nick actually, and uh, we swapped numbers. I've been meaning to get him on the podcast for a while, and he and he he talked about two, two main things. He talked about was one that your the time that you sleep uh, shouldn't be dictated by you know society's expectations. That, you know we go to bed at whatever 10 p.m. and we get up at seven. You know if your if your body for whatever reason is different and you were and you're better being up late but then you know then 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 sleeping late then you you know you've got to do what's right for you but then the other thing about not being embarrassed or afraid afraid of napping during the day and that you know if you need your 45 minutes here, if you need your hour there then you know, basically tell everyone else to fuck off and, and do what's right for you nick's book changed my whole perspective on sleep and i'm not gonna lie like i said it changed my whole perspective on sleep alex ferguson obviously if you don't know who Alex Ferguson is, you've been living under a rock for the last two, three decades. Former Manchester United manager was his, one of his first clients and he wrote in his book and he used to go and assess mattresses that a professional football player would sleep on and they used to have sleeping pods at training rounds for players, which is fantastic. They were ahead of time. He was way ahead of time, Alex Ferguson. And I think most of the teams now, you know, like the lights of the big clubs, Real Madrid, you know, the Barcelonas, 
you know, they have sleeping pods for players where they can sleep and rest, get sufficient sleep for like 45 minutes to an hour nap before you know, doing their second session of the day, maybe. You know, some players, they do two, three sessions a day. Um, so Nick talks about making sure you get the right quality mattress because you spend half your life sleeping. Napping in 20-minute blocks if you need to nap, so 20 minutes blocks and making sure again what you said if you need to go to bed at 10 o'clock and wake up at 6 a.m or if you need to go to bed at midnight and wake up at 7 a.m or if you need to go to bed at 1 a.m and wake up at 9 a.m don't base your sleep around society's pressure that you we go to bed at 10 we wake up at 6 or we go to bed at 10 we wake up at 7 you know because Life has changed for most of us now. You know, you know, you think about businesses that most of us do. You know, I have clients in, the, in America, which forces me to stay up late. You know, we're eight hours ahead of LA, you know, West Coast time when I'm in London. And we're five hours ahead of, you know, New York when I'm in London. So my East Coast and West Coast clients forces me to stay up late sometimes to conduct client meetings, Zoom calls with them to make sure they're all right and implement any things that I need to implement or change anything I need to change within their program so I stay up late. But I always make sure I get my seven hours. I always make sure I get my seven hours. And I think it's important that we understand that sleep is so important. And don't base your life and your sleep around society's pressure. It's very important. And if you have not read that book, guys, Sleep by Nick Littlehill, you need to listen to it on Audible or buy the actual physical book. It's a fantastic book and I highly recommend it. It will change your whole perspective on sleep. And some of the skill set that I've learned from that book, I've put a small PDF together um, for all of my clients that I give away. And if anyone wants that, they can just can, can we let put, me We know. can put a link on the podcast or yes, something. Yes, put a link on my social media, on my Instagram. All they got to do is just DM me the word sleep and I'll send it to them. Perfect. Well, yeah, on the, on the show notes at the end, we'll we'll put all that stuff on there. Well, let's talk about uh, the five WBFF uh, bodybuilding championships. Wow. Yeah. So where do we start? So I started competing with WBFF uh, in uh, 2014, and I remember competing at my first show in London. Didn't get a look in. Came fourth. So you were about 30 years old. 34 years old. So I didn't get a look in. Came fourth. I was like, what's this all about? You know, I'm the king of my castle. By then, been trained for like 20 20 plus years. But not competitively. You just you were just a big lad who took it took it all very seriously. It was it was your life, but it, you'd not you'd not gone out to uh, compete. That's correct. Yeah. So that was my um, second competition. I won my first competition, but it was with a different federation. And this was my first competition with WBFF. So, and the first thing I did was I knew I couldn't get to where I wanted to get to on my own. So I employed a coach. First thing I did, by the way. So I employed a coach to coach me, a bodybuilding coach. I remember my first bodybuilding coach was actually Eddie Abu former, you know, British bodybuilding champion. He was my first bodybuilding coach that I employed to help me get me to where I needed to be. So employing a coach was the first thing I did. But yeah, I remember getting on stage, competing and coming forth, thinking, oh my God, what is this all about? Then, this was 2014. Then the same year I went on to um, Vegas. Um, they used to have the world championship there in Vegas and I won the amateur championship and won my pro card, the pro status. So that meant I can compete amongst the pros now. Um, so, and I started competing amongst the pros in 2015 
2015, done my first pro show, again came fourth, didn't get a look in. I was thinking, what's going on here? Um, that same year, you know, I went up to Worlds, came second, I think, in the world that year in the pro division. Uh, and then 2016, I went on to um, compete in um, LA because I used to have the North American Championship there. And that's when I won my first pro show in 2016. Again, that same year, I went on to compete at the Worlds, came second again. Um, 2017, won another title, North American Championship, went to the Worlds and came second again. You know, at this point now, I was thinking, I'm going to give up. I can't I can't keep coming second um, in these shows. But then 2018, went to, North America, went to LA again, won the North American Championship that same year, went to the Worlds in Las Vegas and became world champion. And I was thinking, I did it. I did it. I accomplished the things that I thought, the thing that I thought I couldn't accomplish. So I became world champion in 2018 for the first time. 2019 in the Bahamas, so then moved the competition around, retained my world championship. 2020, we all know what happened. You know, nothing, obviously, we, we the COVID defeated all of us. The world was in lockdown. Again, 2021, retained my world championship in Vegas again. 2022, I retained my world championship again. And 2023, most recently, for the fifth year running, I retained my world championship again. So that's five world titles back to back. The only thing that defeated me was COVID. How how old, <laughs> how old are the other people you're competing against? Because like, you know, to me, like 43 sounds old old as a sportsman. Yeah. Uh, you know, is, is that normal in, in bodybuilding? In bodybuilding, your body does not mature to your later, later, late 30s. If you look at all the good bodybuilders out there, you know, their bodies don't really mature to your late 30s, early 40s. You know, to be honest with you, you know, you get the freak like Chris Bunstead, who's like 27 years old or 20 something years old. He's just a freak. You know, I've got a man crush on him. He's got the most awesome physique I've ever seen touch the stage. You know, reminds of Arnie, his body. Um, but yeah, your body mature late. It seems late, but I, I, I've always looked to myself as a young 43 year old. Yeah, because I don't look at myself oh, as, it, it as wasn't, a forty-three. I was going to say it wasn't uh, like a diss in any no. way. I'm, I'm thinking uh, it was almost thinking like like wow, you know, you're winning at forty-three. Are you are you winning against twenty-five-year-olds or something? Yeah, in all honesty, a lot of the guys within the categories are in the late twenties, early thirties. So I am probably people are always shocked when I tell them my age. You know, I tell people my age, and we're like, oh, you look really good for your age, and I feel like. You should look like this, you know. You should look after yourself because longevity and wellness is so important. Like, if you look after yourself physically, you'll look after you're you're gonna live longer, you know, and you're gonna look younger, and uh, younger girls are gonna find you more attractive. <laughs> Which is what it all boils down to. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we go to the gym. Do you know what I mean? That's why we get stressed to make money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we're trying to attract the younger girls, but yeah, no. In all honesty, I think for me, in all honesty. Like, I've always had this mindset that like, I'm not good enough. So every year, I'm impre I'm improving my physique by just 1%. Like I always say, I coach the 1%. I'm a coach to the 1%. If you want to get 1% better like I want to get every year, then I'm the right man to be your coach. Because you think about it, you carry on improving 1% per year for the rest of your life. Think how much improvement you're going to have by the time 
you get to, for example, you're 42, I'm 43. If we increase, if we improve our physique, our mental capacity, our beliefs by 1% for the next two years, you know, we're going to increase 2%. Yeah. Three years, 3%, four years, 4%, five years, 5%. If we continue to do that per annum, think of the, the, the where we can get to, the, the level that we can be at physicality mentally but and once you get going as well you know you can be improving more than well one percent in much quicker than a year also exactly but what i always say is try and improve in all aspects of your life by one percent per year not just your physique your mental capacity your relationship your ability to listen your ability to not crumble under pressure because pressure is going to come at us no matter what in all angles it could be financial pressure it could be you know a breakup in a relationship it could be anything that we have not prepared ourselves for i always prepare myself for pressure or failure because you know i'm living a dream right now and i always have a phrase as well that i use i'll be like you know from humble beginnings to living a dream please don't wake me up like i'm living a dream right now because i didn't believe that the life that i'm living now was possible you know, people will watch me and be like, "What, well, Wale, him? How long do you think wow. you've been living the dream for? It just feels like, it, it feels all like a dream. I've been living the dream for the last decade. You know, it just all feels like a dream for me because like- But, but what, what what changed from 11 years to 10, to 10 years is in, you know, to now think, oh, you know what? I've really hit what I wanted to hit. Because I can reach out for help on the things that I can't accomplish. Because I have that sort of mindset, like I will reach out for help. I would just say, I don't understand that. Can you help me? Like I will pay someone. Not that I'm trying to pay the problem away, but I'll pay someone to get me to where I want to be, to coach me. And I will stay with that person for a year, for two years. You know, think about it. We're, we're, you know, the world's so easy now. When you think about COVID, what COVID did for me is open my eyes onto, like Zoom meetings is normal now. You know, if I said to you, I'll jump in a Zoom meeting with me, you'd be like, oh, that's normal. That's, we, that's become normal to us. Like before, I would think, Zoom meeting, what's that all about? Webinars, what's that all about? Now, Zoom meetings and webinars and, you know, watching things digitally is normal to me. Like, because COVID-19 made that normal because we couldn't do what we deemed as normal every day through COVID. So, jumping on a Zoom call with someone, having a, a business mentor live in a completely different side of the world. The world's a very small place, you know people that I do business with like I said to you are in New York are in Los Angeles are in um, you know Africa are in the Middle East they're all over the world and I'm their coach and I have to touch base with those people every single week tell me when you um, competed and you came second or you came fourth and won and obviously you, you were you were pissed off that you didn't win how did you then behave and react when you came home? Did you think, oh, I've not trained hard enough or I've not done this program, I'm going to go fucking nuts for the next one? And did you did you change your routine? Did you change your mentality and your effort levels? That's a really good question again. You know, what changed in me? My, my, what changed in me is listening to the feedback from the judges. Because one of the beauty of competing is that you have judging and a panel of judges and just saying, so where did I go wrong? Where can I make the necessary improvements? And I was able to listen to those feedback and implement the changes that they required. They said, I need to come in with better condition. 
you know, I need to come in with, you know, my waist was where I hold most of my, my body fat. And for most men is their waist and women is their sort of legs. You know, when they say the man's shaped like an, shaped like an apple and a woman's shaped like a pear, that's a great analogy. So they be like, you know, you need to come in with better condition. You know, so I worked on my condition and I looked at my body as a whole and I'm quite well balanced as a bodybuilder. You know, there's not one area that's bigger than another or an area specifically that I need to focus on, but I just wanted to improve my whole physique again by 1%. So again, I was, I was obsessed with my chest and developing my upper chest to have this sort of almost this shelf. So again, started working a lot harder on my chest. So I always recommend for men specifically, if you're training chest, always focus on the incline. The reason for that is because that adds huge volumes on the chest as a whole. And when your upper chest looks a lot more, has more volume, your chest looks a lot bigger. So again, you know, I'll start off with dumbbell incline press, barbell incline press, dumbbell incline flies before moving on to any other flat, 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 flat dumbbell press or flat barbell press exercises. You know, so Jamie Spencer was just saying that to me the, the other day. Actually, yeah, one of our workouts. I mean, we've kind of always done them anyway, or I've always done incline. Maybe not as much as flat stuff, but when we were doing some incline the other day, he was banging on about the um, the, the the importance of it, particularly in women as well. All day long, I think women as well. Some women be like, I don't do any chest exercise. Most women these days have breast implants, which they don't like training chest because they feel like they might, you know, move their 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 breast implants. But to be honest with you, if you've had your breast implants is either put on top of the muscle or underneath the muscle itself. Um, so you can actually still train, especially for most of my girls, I give them like a dumbbell incline and a machine press or dumbbell press. This is your clients, yeah, my, not, not just most of your <laughs> my, my female clients, let's clarify that by the way. So I'll repeat what I just said. For my female clients, exercise that I my go-to when it comes to training chest uh, is incline press, dumbbell, flat press, and incline fly. So some form of a stretch and some form of a compound movement exercise. And a compound movement exercise is defined as multiple joint functioning. So if you've got movement at the wrist, the elbow, and the shoulder joint, that's defined as a compound movement exercise. Which will be a bench press, which will be a lat pull down, yes. or a, a squat. A or... squat, yes. That's defined as a compound movement exercise. Any isolation movement, such as the fly, is you've only got one joint functioning. You know, that's basically defined as an isolation exercise talk to me about supplements both uh i guess both common ones you know proteins creatines you know talk to amino acids and stuff uh and also um maybe the more taboo things of testosterone testosterone replacement growth hormone so uh, let's cover the first one to put the taboo one first of testosterone and uh growth hormones i think for me as an individual, something that I'm I'm a great believer on. We had a brief discussion before we come on air about uh, making sure you get your blood work done and checking your test levels because, you know, I'm a big, big believer of, especially for men, you know, if you need to do a TRT treatment, testosterone replacement therapy, I think you should do it. You, so, Is that illegal for competing? It, it, it's not in some federation. Most federation guys are taking a lot harder stuff you know, to be honest with you, so it's not no. But, so, but you're but you're actually allowed to take the stuff and compete. Or, that's correct. Or you just turn a blind eye to it. No, you can actually take the stuff and compete. But obviously, steroids in bodybuilding is, is a common knowledge. But it's one of those things that is like a big elephant in the corner of the room that no one actually discussed because you know people just look like you just jack yourself up with steroids and you're just going to get big. But they take away all the hard work. <laughs> you got to do the work. Yeah, that the bodybuilders <laughs> have done before that. You know, so steroids and bodybuilding is quite common. You know, but I'm not a big fan of 
jacking yourself up with a load of steroids and not actually getting your blood work done. So, you know, if you're going to take anything, make sure you get your blood work done. Um, make sure you check your, your levels before you take anything. So have your blood work done before you start, you know, a course. Have your blood work done after you finish the course to make sure your levels are right. And I think for the common individuals out there, I wouldn't say the common, those that don't compete. So for the business CEOs, I would get them to see my doctor to make sure their test levels are right. If the test levels are not right, I'll get my doctor to provide them with TRT. So hormone therapy is very important. Uh, with growth hormones, growth hormones to me, I, I think I'm a, I'm a big fan of growth hormones. I think it just makes you look younger, repairs muscle tissues. But the most important thing with growth hormone is it will enhance any cancer cell that you have within you if it's not checked. So again, for, for us male, we've got to make sure prostate cancer is quite common. So we've got to make sure we get at our prostate checked you know, at least after our 40th birthday, every couple of years. I tell my missus to check my prostate twice, <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> so if you're taking growth hormones, that cancer cell within your body will be enlarged as well. And the level of growth that you need to take, you know, it's not that much. You might only need like three RUs per day, um, you know, six days a week, five days a week, or maybe seven days a week. But I'll always say, Go and see a good hormone doctor before just prescribing yourself with anything and everything. So in regards to the TRT and the growth, like like I said, I'm a big fan of that. I will use it. Uh, the reason for that, I always believe that, you know, as long as you're getting your blood work done and you are monitoring your blood work with a doctor, then that's the sort of things that you need to make sure you, you're doing. The levels that you are putting into your body needs to be monitored and don't be like, don't be a novice and just inject yourself with anything. And that's one of the things I would always recommend. Moving on to the next supplement. And just before we do, I was going to say for anyone listening or watching, uh, you know, drop Wally a DM, drop drop me one because uh, I mean, you know, we probably haven't got time to talk about it now. But uh, you know, I've been quite open about the fact that I started the you know TRT journey last last April May, and I feel twenty years younger. Lost you know, lost ten kilograms, got so much more energy, and I mean, I mean, literally bounce around like you know, like like I'm twenty one. So I've got a doctor out here in Dubai, great lab out here. You you've got the same back in the UK. So hit either of us up and I'm sure we'll make an introduction. No, definitely. If you definitely want to, if you're based in London, hit me up, drop me a DM. We'll put all my contact details um, underneath this podcast. And I think I'll definitely recommend you see my doctor. Um, she's an amazing doctor, you know, and I think, you know, I send all of my clients to her. And I think, you know, like what you've just said there, Matt's just said that he's been on TRT. He's been using a bit of tests as well, haven't you? Uh, sorry, you've been growth. using growth, yeah. growth hormones, and you feel so much better from Absolutely. all of that. But you're getting all your blood work monitored. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. You know, a lot of my friends will say to me, "Well, can can, can you introduce me to your pharmacist or whatever where to get it?" I'm saying, "Well, I can, but you know, but before you're doing that, you should be seeing the doctor. You should be, you should be doing the blood works, and you and you should be keep, you know keeping up with it." And I think you know, for, for me, all this stuff, you know, a it's taboo, b they, they get a bad name, but you know, I think they get a bad name because normally people are just you know juicing up with the boys behind the gym, you know, mm. with, 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 without even you know without understanding a what the stuff does in the first place, and and b b 
what it does to their body. I remember I was at the gym back back in the UK about a year ago, and uh, and, and one of the guys there you know, was talking to me. I, f- I forget which what what it was, but he was saying to me, "Oh, you should start taking this." And I was saying, "Well, let me speak to my doctor about it." So obviously, I've got a good relationship with my doctor. Drop him a WhatsApp. Say, "Listen, you know, the guys are telling me to take this." And he said, "Well, I could get, I could prescribe it for you, but if you take that, then these are the negative effects of it, and this is what it'll do to your testosterone, and this is what it'll do to that. So if you want it, we've got to go and do all this other stuff as well." And I repeated the message to the uh, to, to the guy who told me about it, and he's like, "Fuck, you're kidding me! I didn't, I didn't know any of that. I've been, I've been taking it for so long." Uh, and uh, I guess it, 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 well, it's it's like anything, and I mean, you, you you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go and start prescribing yourself. <laughs> cancer medication or no. something you go and see an expert you know why why should why would this why should this be any different so yeah yeah you know couldn't recommend the the uh, concept and the theory enough but go and take professional help any it, like i've always said all along you need to get professional help before implementation of anything that you're doing specifically if you're going to be taking you know things like trt or testosterone and you're going to be taking things like you know human growth hormones you need to make sure you get your blood work done i think it's so important and you know a lot of people out there probably going to be it's a bit taboo you know you're talking about this that's why i say steroids within the fitness industry within the bodybuilding world as a whole it's like a big elephant in the corner of the room that no one wants to talk about and i think it's so important that we discuss this especially for the youngsters these days you know who are just going to the gym and meeting someone and giving them something and injecting themselves with things that don't know the adverse effect of just like your friend at the gym that you mentioned which is very important i think we need to have an understanding of what the health implications are going to be on the things that we're taking and what I always find so ludicrous as well is like sometimes when I go back to England, you know, some of my friends will go, oh, you know, you're looking different, you're looking better, you know, what you're up to. I'm like, well, I am train, training a lot harder, eating a little better. I said, but, you know, the real differences have come from, you know, d- doing, the, doing the hormone replacement, you know, seeing a doctor doing the blood work. And they go, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, I'm not putting that shit inside my body. Like you've got no problem sniffing a bag of gear on a gear on a Saturday night. You've got no problem popping a few pills from fuck knows what daily you're using. Yeah, and you don't want to go and see a doctor, see a pharmacist, have your blood work done, and have something that I've just shown you first time makes me feel better. Ah, fuck that, fuck that. I'm like, bizarre. <laughs> I think it all goes down to lack of education. Again, it's just lack of understanding and education. I think I always believe in education. You've got to educate people in all aspects of life, in everything, I think education goes down to, you know, when I look at, I know it's a, I look, it's a bit too advanced for what we're talking about, but you look at like racism, for example, I think it's lack of understanding, lack of, lack of education. So if you can educate someone, you know, about a different individual or different culture, that might uh, eradicate that as itself. So, it's again when it comes to the taboo with you know human growth hormones and testosterone it's just lack of education it's just people are the misconception of what they've been told or what they've heard or what they've read somewhere is they have this belief that's like it's completely different completely different and they have the self the belief that it is what it is but it's completely different from what it is actually so i think education is key in all aspects of life and people pay attention to things that will benefit them. And I think a lot of people don't see the benefit in human growth hormones and TRT. So they don't pay attention. They just think, oh, you know, something that I don't want to shoot into my body. So it's very important. It's just lack of education. 
on that aspects of things. But if we go on to the most common supplements that people should be using, I think I move on to creatine. Creatine to me is a game for me the research has been done behind even creatine. if you're not lifting heavy weights even if you're not lifting heavy weights so i think creatine is just a game changer if you just take you know five grams of creatine a day you know it'll make a massive difference to your physique and recovery and recovery is key remember what i said to you recovery nutrition and recovery is most important and what we want to do is what what steroids does is it helps you be able to recover faster and push heavier so and that's you can Think about that. You're just stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking. So creating helps you recover a lot better, a lot quicker, um, and then be able to push a lot harder in your next session. And imagine sometimes you've gone into the gym, you've trained legs two days ago, and you still can't walk properly. You know, so you go back into the gym, or ah, oh, but once you get moving, then your legs feels a lot better. So creating for me is the top of the list. Um, branch chain amino acids, not so necessary, you know. I don't think it's necessary personally because I think if you're getting all your supplements, if you're hitting your macronutrients, well, macronutrients are defined as protein, carbs, and fat. If you're hitting the correct amount of macronutrients per day, um, you don't need to take branch and amino acids. I think for me, it makes your water taste good. Yes, I use it sometimes just to make my water taste good, but it's not a necessity. Protein. But but that, that this one, I mean, I wasn't buying the BCA. I was buying it because I, I couldn't find any electrolytes on their own. So right. it, 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 it came as a double thing. I, I used to I used to buy my electrolytes from Benus, and that store's been out of stock for God knows how long. And when I go in the shops now, I can't seem to find any electrolytes on their own. It's BCAA plus electrolytes. Plus so, yeah, I mean, it's not an issue. It's just not doing a big thing. No, it's not doing the big thing. But the most important thing is to get your... What I'm, what I'm trying to refer back to is to get your macronutrients you know, that you need to hit daily from whole foods. You want to be getting your macronutrients that you need to hit from whole foods. So your protein, carbs, and fat, you want to be consuming whole foods. So like chicken, um, beef, fish, um, you know, if you're looking at carbohydrate, looking at rice, potatoes, quinoa, then your vegetables for your fiber to be able to push that push that through, your green vegetable, your, your broccoli, your green beans, your salads, you know, your spinach, you want to be consuming that. When you look at fat, your avocado, your nuts, your olive oil, you want to be consuming that. So I like to eat whole foods um, to get my, as much macronutrients from whole foods as possible before supplementation. But creatine is going to help you with recovery. When it looks at when you look at protein powders, you know if you get good quality protein powders, something that you can use after training, post training, you know again it will just boost up your your protein for the day so if your protein for example i always say for my clients for all of our clients out there for every pound of body weight you want to be hitting at least one gram to 1.3 grams per pound of body weight if you want to calculate what you weigh in pounds it's just your weight in kilograms times 2.2 and that's what you weigh in pounds and you want to be calculating making sure you're getting one gram so if you weigh for example 225 pound you want to be getting 225 grams of protein per day and when it comes to carbohydrate, again, depending on your goals, because for every one gram of carbs that you consume, your body holds on to three grams of water. So again, when it comes to body composite goals, when it comes to, sorry, reducing body fat, I always draw the carbohydrate away slowly, but keep the protein high, keep the fats high, and draw the carbs out and lower the, car um, the daily calorie consumption through reducing the calories through carbohydrate 
not protein or fats. Because I think most people's body work really well with proteins and fats. But carbs, again, if you take it out, for every one gram of carbs you consume, your body's holding on to three grams of water. So if you take it out, you're reducing the water retention in your body. And you will be able to, again, you go on the beach holiday soon. That's a little trick that I use. And another little trick that I use with my clients is when it comes to body fat reduction, we consume anywhere from 10 calories for every pound of body weight. So it's a lot easier to calculate. So when you think about body fat reduction, it's 10 calories for every pound of body weight. So you just say, if you, again, if you weigh two, if you weigh, uh, for example, 225, easy maths. 10 calories for every pound of body weight. So it's, it's, it's easy to calculate that. So it's, it's like, you know, 200 and yeah. 225, 220, 225. So it'd be 2,250 two, two uh, calories, you know, for your daily consumption of calories, but protein is going to come from It doesn't feel enough. No, it doesn't, it doesn't, but that's like just easy. Burger. Exactly, exactly, it can be. And then for maintenance, a lot of people miss out the maintenance part. Again, I go between 13 to 15 calories for every pound of body weight. And for body composite gold, which is where we try and put on lean muscle mass, we're going between 18 to 20 calories for every pound of body weight. The mistake people make is they just cut and bolt, cut and bolt, and they don't maintain. And one of the things I always explain to clients is you need to have an understanding of your calorie consumption because if you go from eating so little to eating so much, you're not going to be able to consume it. You're going to struggle. People say, no, 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 I'll be able to eat it. You're going to struggle. Because you want to get most of your calories from whole foods again, like at least 80% of your calories should be coming from whole foods. The other 20% can come from things like, you know, protein powders, you know, not whole foods, generally. So that's important. Um, and that's an easy way of remembering. So if you can remember 10, 15, 20 um, calories for every pound of body weight, so you've got, uh, you know, body fat reduction, maintenance, and body composite goal to put on lean muscle mass. And that's a simple mask that I've used for a long time for many of my clients. I still use it myself and it works really well. Listen, Wally, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here, mate. You are a fountain of knowledge and uh, I love your, love your energy. And uh, I'm really glad we met and I can't wait to do a round two of this at some point, uh, sometime in the future, whether we're, whether I'm in England or whether you're back in Dubai. But you know, there's, there's so much more we could talk about and I'd, I'd love to do a future episode. Um, but yeah, before you listen, we'll put the show notes on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the podcast. But before you go, uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you online? Yeah, so I'm, I've got my Instagram page, which is uh, Wale Addison Moyer, which is W O L E Addison Moyer, A D E S E M O Y E on Instagram. You can find me Wale Addison Moyer on LinkedIn. You can find me Wale Addison Moyer also on Twitter, which is now called X. I keep reminding myself to remember that. And then also you can find my, my YouTube channel, which is just Wale Adesimoye on YouTube and also on Facebook. Um, but we'll put all of that underneath the sort of Absolutely. show yeah. notes. On the show notes. Yeah, but like it's been a pleasure talking to you. Honestly, you're a very interesting guy yourself and a lot of things are sort of believes and our, our beliefs in life aligns very perfectly well, which I like. I really like that. And there's always so many parallels and so many crossovers, you know, whether it's sport, business, you know, business, life, relationships, money, whatever. Everything to me has, you know, a kind of a core set of, you know, common beliefs and principles. That, you know, if you can get those right, you can find success in any area. And it's been, like I said, it's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, to hear it from you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure being here. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. <laughs>